Good morning, church. So glad to be with you today. Listen, as I get out into the community, usually when I'm over at a coffee shop or two, uh, I get to interact with lots of people, and I absolutely love it. It is great to just get to know the people who call Louisville home, uh, especially here in the Highlands. But when folks inevitably find out what I do, you know, first they take a look at me and, and size me up really quick, uh, like, like everyone does. But I'm almost always asked immediately after, so what kind of church do you have? And, and, and that means a lot of different things. I never know how to answer that question. Because, see, we humans, we find definitions of things. We like to place parameters around ideas or movements. So when I get asked, so what kind of church do you lead? I have no idea what they mean. Because I've heard that question so many times, and it means so many different things. Like, what kind of church do you lead? Okay, are you asking practical? Like, are you talking evangelical sort of church? Are you talking like charismatic kind of church? Like, well, what's, what's your angle here? Are you asking theological questions? Are we part of the chosen frozen, or are we wild and free, right? Like, like what, what are people really asking when they're asking those questions? What kind of church do you lead? Are they asking about dress code? I get in trouble for mine often enough. But, you know, are you a Sunday best sort of church? Or are you kind of laid back? Even, and, and this isn't good, but sometimes the question, what kind of church do you lead, also means politically, uh, what? But, but politically, are you a conservative church? Are you a liberal church? And I think we do this. I think humans, we do this because we like our tribe, don't we? We like our people. We like to be comfortable. Whatever it is, we like what makes us most comfortable. And what I love about our church, what I love about the vineyard movement itself, is because when people say, hey, what kind of church do you lead? What kind of church are you a part of? Are you here or are you here? Oftentimes we can say yes. It's not about here. It's not about there. Yes. Like, do you all know who you worship next to? I don't think you do. And that's something that I love about our church is because it's not a matter of, hey, are you here theologically? Are you here practically? Yes, right in the middle. We got people here and here and all over the place. It's the best. Sometimes I get asked questions, you know, hey, is your church here? Is your church here? Sometimes, praise God, I get to say neither. Neither is the answer to that one. It's just, it's nice. But when people say, what kind of church is your church? I think the simplest way to understand, the simplest way I guess we should approach this, and these are uh, just my words, is that I think as Christians, we should simply allow this to inform us, is that we read the Bible, we believe the Bible, if you're a Christian, and we apply the Bible. It's simple. And honestly, I think I think every Christian would agree with that. I mean, there are some weirdos out there, but I think every Christian would ultimately agree, like, yeah, that makes sense. Read the Bible, believe the Bible, apply the Bible. And, and listen, I just, when we get into the non-essential stuff, are you this church? Are you that church? Is your theology this or that? Are you this or that? You know, I just think when we get in that, we get distracted very quickly, don't we? Even right now, you're thinking of different examples of what I could be meaning when I say here or here, right? We get distracted so quickly. And, and church, 
I just don't believe the kingdom of God chooses one of these arbitrary non-sequiturs, but has more room and grace than we could ever imagine. Because while we may be busy divvying up and categorizing people, the kingdom of God is at work and we need to be paying attention. We need to be unified in this. I'm reminded of the words that Jesus said to Peter. He tells Peter to start the church. He says, Peter, feed my sheep. Jesus is saying, Peter, start the church. You know, this is thousands of years ago. Jesus is, is, is post-resurrection, and he gives Peter this holy invitation. Feed my sheep. Start the church. Wow. And you know what Peter's response is to this holy invitation? This amazing thing Jesus gives to him. Peter says, what about him? Looking over at John, the other disciple, and says, what about him? And, and I think this is what we do too, right? When Jesus says, like, go, make disciples, love people. I think we like to say, yeah, but don't you know they, they were part of that thing last summer? I know how they voted. Are you sure, Jesus? I think Jesus would have the same response to us that he did to Peter. After Peter says, what about him? Jesus says, who is that to you? Follow me. I think when we start to make all these little divided categories of who's in and who's out, I think Jesus would look at us in the same way and say, what is that to you? Follow me. Why, why does that bother you? Follow me. And so I, when people ask, are you a fill-in-the-blank church? I think, I think our response can just simply be, well, what does the Bible say we should be? I think it, we should be loving. What does the Bible say about loving God? What does the Bible say about loving people? I think we should just simply be people who read the Bible, believe the Bible, and apply the Bible. But we can't be ignorant because, listen, you are given labels, okay? So if you care what people think of you, this is going to be a, a hard sermon. <laughs> uh, but maybe, maybe this can be a freeing sermon at the same time because people will attach labels to you right? You were in, maybe you were in middle school or high school or college, and you were given a label, right? We've been there. So we are going to be given labels by outsiders. We need to be, we need to be fine with that. We just simply need to expect to encounter and grow with God. Let's not complicate it, okay? Church, are you with me? Can we not complicate this, and can we just move forward with God, okay? So I want to talk about this for just a few minutes, because often, you know, people are like, well, okay, you're rock vineyard. What, what's, what's a vineyard? What does rock have to do with it? And I'm like, well, it's two different things. I found this. But other than that, what's a, what's a vineyard? What's a vineyard church, you know? Um, well, let's, let's talk about that. Because vineyard, it is not in our name by accident, okay? We dove deep into the church origins last year in our community series. So if you're interested in that, you can find those online. Or I'm sure... Miss Lois still has her notes from last year on her, so if you're curious about that, uh, she could help you. Um, but while we're not going to go into another history lesson, I want to let you know that we are part of a greater movement and, and what that is all about. Uh, because this movement was founded 50 years ago. And so all the questions that I just posed to you, are you this kind of church, that kind of church, would you believe it that they faced those same questions all those years ago? All those decades ago, they had the same problems that we do today, right? 
Folks always wanting to define one another about non-essential things. So how did the vineyard respond back then? Well, back then, a, a, a big thing within Christianity was all about those crazy charismatics and all about those stuffy evangelicals, right? One of the founders of the vineyard, John Wimber, he said this. You should see it on the screen. Uh, John said, listen, all word, all Bible, okay? All word and no spirit, we dry up. All spirit and no word, we blow up. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Amen. With the spirit and the word, we grow up. And that's what the vineyard preached decades ago, and it's a truth we still believe today. We simply call it the radical middle. And so this, this applies to that old argument, right? Are you here? Are you there? But in reading the Bible, a question arose. Why do we have to be here or there? Why can't we be a strange convergence of both? Why can't, why can't we believe that the Bible is the Word of God? And why can't we also expect the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives? Why can't we do both? Why can't we believe both of these things? Read the Bible, believe the Bible, and apply the Bible. And so that's why here, when we talk about the radical middle, uh, we, we are often pursuing this. And, and so in the fall, we, in the fall semester, for our small group series, we did one called Come Holy Spirit. And some of you all loved it. You all were like, this is my lane. I'm all about experiencing the Holy Spirit, and I want to see God move, and I love it. And some of you are like, this is out of my lane. I don't know about that. Okay, so in the fall, right, come Holy Spirit. And so now here we are in the spring, and we're doing a series uh, through the Gospels, through the Bible Project, in the book of Acts. And we're doing a deep dive on the Word of God. And some of you are like, this is my lane. I love it. Give me more deep dives on theology and studying the Word of God. And some of us are like, oh, this is out of my lane. The radical middle. We want to simply be both. We want to simply exist in both because we simply believe it's possible. That you can love the Word of God, read the Word of God, believe the Word of God, and simply expect the Holy Spirit to move in your life. And so that's, that's what we are all about. Just read the Bible, believe the Bible, apply the Bible. Now, the inspiration for the name Vineyard, it came from a couple of Bible verses. The first was from Isaiah 27. You should see it on the screen. Uh, The Bible says, in that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually. I guard it day and night so that no one may harm it. In John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, please, don't hear me say, please, don't hear me say that God has positioned the vineyard movement as the one and only true church. It's not what I'm saying. But these verses simply inspired this one unique movement of God that we call the vineyard. And so listen, there are other church movements happening that are phenomenal. And I get to meet with other pastors who lead other churches, and they are different denominations right here in our own city. And we get to pray together and get to know one another because it is a beautiful thing. 
Because for us as a church, we don't compete for the people of Louisville. We complete one another for the people of Louisville. I'm, we're not here to elevate ourselves and elevate the church name. We're here to make the name of Jesus famous. And that means that there's not some weird competition. You go to First Baptist, I go to Second Baptist. We got, we got purple floors, you know? Like, like that was the thing that everyone was so upset about years ago, right? I'm just, I'm not interested in throwing stones at other believers. Do you preach Jesus? You're with us, right? I'm reminded of, of how the disciples approached Jesus. And they said, hey, there's this other guy. He's doing his own thing. He's doing it in your name. Kind of sounds familiar to us. And Jesus' response is, don't stop him. If they're all about Jesus, they are with us, people. Because we are in this together. Lord knows, there's what, 800,000 or so people, small number, here in our city alone. Uh, listen, we need help. We need, we need to do this together. But listen, if this church is one that suits you, that is awesome. And if it is not, then please go in peace, but go somewhere in peace, okay? Get plugged in somewhere because you can't afford to lone wolf this thing. You need to find a church. You need to find a home. Get involved. Now, I do confess, I do love the Vineyard Way. Uh, years ago, I was a youth pastor down in Vineyard, Richmond. My wife and I, we went up to uh, a church in Michigan. It was not a vineyard church. And while we loved it, it was, it, was, it was fine. We just knew we wanted to be back in the vineyard movement. And I'll explain why in just a little bit. But we knew we wanted to come back to it because we, we really loved it. We loved what it represented. But the vineyard approach also is dangerous because it's not really all that popular to believe the Bible and it certainly isn't popular to apply the Bible. Honestly, even to some Christians, it's not all that popular to begin to apply the teachings of Jesus. That's another sermon for another day. But around here in the vineyard movement, we, we embrace something called kingdom theology. As we read the New Testament, as we read the New Testament, this is what we see reflected in it. And we have a name for it. We call it kingdom theology. And it simply means this, the kingdom of God is present and active in our lives today. Again, I think almost every Christ follower would say, that makes sense. I'm with you. Again, there are those people who wouldn't, and that, that's a different <laughs> problem altogether. The kingdom of God is present and active in our lives today. That doesn't sound so bad. See, when Jesus, when he ascended to heaven, after he rose again, he eventually ascended to heaven, and the Holy Spirit was sent to us, and that started a new work by God until Jesus' eventual return, okay? If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, right, Jesus eventually will return. All of us Left Behind fans are waiting, oh, what's, what's going to happen next? Don't worry, I'm not going there today, okay? But three quick facts for you, okay? You ready? Are you ready to kind of go just a, just a touch, dip your toe a little bit, Joey, in that, in that? A little bit into a theology. Let's let's go there, okay? Three facts. Number one, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, number two, fact number two, we live in a fallen, broken world. Okay, are, are are we kind of unified here? Right? We're empowered by the Holy Spirit if we follow Jesus, and we live in a fallen and broken world. Fact number three. These two truths create a very, very difficult tension, right? 
But remember, we read the Bible, we believe the Bible, we apply the Bible. So if Jesus said that we would do greater work in his name, (laughs) preaching and teaching and healing and demonstrating the gifts of the Spirit, then why don't we see people get healed every time we pray? Didn't Jesus commission us for this? Didn't he say we would do more of this work? These are tough questions. But go with me for a moment, because we exist right now in what is called, and this is just another, another term for you, okay? We exist in the now and the not yet. That's, that's, that's our present reality right now, okay? Two quick things, and I'll make this make sense, I promise. So if you're waiting for me to tell a joke, it'll be a minute, okay? But now and the not yet, this is where we exist. So we know heaven is a perfect place. We would agree. Heaven's a perfect place. And the earth, where we live, it's a fallen, broken place. Even non-religious people would agree with that. Pain, death, famine, natural disasters, they all happen right here. The world is a broken place. So heaven is perfect, the world is not. These two realities exist at the same time. Earth is one, heaven is the other. Are you with me? Are you with me? Just, just nod. You don't have to say anything out loud. You can just nod. So, so we live in the now. We live right now, meaning Jesus, he came to earth, right? A couple thousand years ago, Jesus was, was on earth, and he brought the kingdom of heaven. It's a present reality where we see the miraculous happen sometimes, right? That's happening today. However, at the same time, We live in this weird not yet, where Jesus has not yet returned. Jesus' return is a future event where heaven fully comes to earth. But because we aren't at that place yet, we do not yet have the fullness of heaven here on earth. If we did, we would see the miraculous every single time we prayed. Heaven is perfect. No crying, no tears, no pain, no sickness, no death, no bingles, losses in the Super Bowl, okay? That's that's heaven. But Jesus, during his ministry, he brought heaven to earth. And when he ascended, he said, go make disciples. Do greater than than I did. Church, listen, I, I simply believe him. When he said, go do it, I'm just simply taking him at his word. Because we are in a very real war against the kingdom of darkness. We see glimpses of heaven sometimes, right? We see radical healing occur. We see lives changed forever of someone that we thought would never turn their life around. We see this, but because we still exist in this strange, not yet, because we exist in this place, we live in this fallen world, we don't see it every single time, and it just creates this tension for us. And so we got to wrestle with this. We need to wrestle with this, this thing because we see the kingdom of God still break through at times, and it can look kind of small when we feel compelled to just pray for someone. I would argue that's not small at all, but the kingdom of God is being poured out onto your heart to pray for someone, or maybe to even go and pray for someone. It, it can look small. It can look like that. It can look like you showing mercy to someone on the side of the road. It can look like you forgiving someone who sinned against you, who who talked poorly of you. That's Honestly, that's no small miracle if you can forgive that, right? 
but it also can be more. It, it, it can be. Hey, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like God gave me a vision for you, or I just want to encourage you with something. Or honestly, there is healing. There is the supernatural things that happen too. And so, uh, growing up, I was I was uh, uh, raised in a in a great Southern Baptist tradition, though, um, where you didn't say Holy Spirit unless you were like cursing. It was like something that you just never ever said, right? Uh, and so, in college, you know, I'm, I'm attending another vineyard church and I'm learning about this whole thing. Like, okay, like sure, I believe Jesus when he said, like, go make disciples, go do greater work, go do these things, but I'm just not seeing a lot of it. And, and so when I go into a vineyard church and, and I'm hearing all these things as well, I just begin wrestling with what this looked like. I, I remember wrestling with all these things. And I remember I was leading a small group once, and a friend of mine who definitely was, was pressing into the kingdom of God, he said, he, he just approached me and said, hey, I think we need to pray for this, for this girl, um, because of her scoliosis. And I said, oh, how'd you know she has scoliosis? And he said, oh, I don't know. I just, this is what I think we should pray for. I was like, okay, here we go. Like, oh, you know, all the way over here, right? Like, oh, here we go. Um, my Baptist self wanted to rear its ugly head, you know, and say, no, shut it down. But uh, so, so I found a good middle ground. And I said, hey, could we pray for you? I didn't, I didn't say what it was yet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, got to save face. And she was like, yeah, you know, like school's been tough and these things. And, and the whole time she's like listing out these life events, I'm like, shoot, I don't need you to say this. I need you to say my scoliosis. Like I need, I need some confirmation that this is real, right? And she doesn't. And so I was like, hey, I would love to pray for all those things. Absolutely. If that's on your heart, mind, whatever. Um, but, and I pointed to my friend and I said, uh, but, you know, he, he, gave, he, he approached me with this word and he said, could we pray about your scoliosis so I don't know if that means anything to you. And she was like, oh, please. It gives me so much back trouble. And she just kind of sits down and says, huh, how'd you know? You know, and she's cool with it. You know, I was like, oh, gosh. Okay, this was interesting. Um, and, and long story short, uh, we sit down and we pray. And we're blown away um, by what happens. Because then she stands up and she touches her toes. And she says, I haven't been able to touch my toes since kindergarten. And we were just absolutely blown away. We couldn't believe what we had seen and saw. And to this day, by the way, she can still touch her toes. It wasn't one of those like adrenaline things that she could do in the moment. Like, you know how we do. Like, oh yeah, your, your arthritis was healed that day. How is it going to be tomorrow, you know? Maybe, you're, maybe you have more faith than me. That's what, that's what I think sometimes. But it was the wildest thing. Because God's will on earth will be done as it is in heaven but we live in this fallen world, and so when we pray, sometimes you don't see it happen immediately. You don't see it occur perfectly as you thought it was. And so really, as, as I'm understanding kingdom theology, this, this weird now and not yet thing, uh, really, it gives you a theology for failure. By that, I mean that just because someone isn't healed, or maybe that encouraging word that you wanted to give them, you're like, I got this word for you. I'm going to give it to you. And then they're like, yeah, that means nothing, but thanks. You know, been there, right? It means that that effort was not in vain or wrong. It wasn't wrong for you to pray, but it means that there's a reason for it. And honestly, that shouldn't stop a spirit-filled believer. I mean, other things that come up when you talk about this, you talk about words, you talk about healing, you talk about these things. Listen, anyone else uncomfortable like me? Okay, listen, it's... It gets me out of my comfortable box, but it's important. Other things that get talked about when these things come up. Have you ever heard someone say, 
Well, you weren't healed because you lacked faith. Or God didn't heal you because you didn't have enough faith. Just so you know, that's toxic, it's wrong, it's ungodly, it's unbiblical, it's unfounded, it's untrue. The truth is that we live in this not yet. And sometimes the presence of evil in our fallen world, it comes up against these things as we pursue the gifts of the Spirit. So should that stop us from praying for people? Should it stop us from loving people? Should it stop us? No, of course not. Of course not. We, we do live in this weird paradox, though. And so it's hard. It's hard to understand. You know, some call it the overlap of two realities existing at, at once because you have the fallen world where we know death and sin and destruction. They're all present here. But there's this second reality where we get to experience the inbreaking kingdom of God. Just so you know, I think I have prayed physical healing for people, gosh, dozens of times now, probably two or three dozen times. It's not like a ton, but more. You know, I'm trying to get myself out there, trying to stretch myself. Like, hey, what's this all about, you know? Um, and I can think of the only two occasions that I immediately saw something, like, occur and happen. And so uh, after sharing that story from college, I had someone approach me once, and he said, do you have the gift of healing? And I remember wrestling with that because while I understand what he's asking, is that the question we should be asking or should we be asking, is the kingdom of God at work today? I'm not really obsessed with what gift I do or don't have. I just want to be obedient. I, I just want to honor God in my effort. I want to honor God and who he is and who he created me to be. Is the kingdom of God at work today? Then I'm willing to go for it. I'm willing to kind of look dumb right? Is the kingdom of God at work today? The answer is obvious. We get to do the stuff of the kingdom of God. But, but please hear this, because often when you're talking about these things, people begin to, people begin to pray for the power of God and, and these things. Uh, and while I would understand that, um, listen, <laughs> If the power of God rained down on me, I'd be like Tony Stark. You know, I'd be gone in a second. Uh, I, I, I don't want to pray for the power of God. I just want to pray for the presence of God. Because the presence of God changes things. The presence of God, it brings everything about. I, 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 don't, I don't want to try to act like I have authority and power of God. No, no. I'm not God. But God, may your presence be felt. Like, may you be known in this place. Like, God, we, we don't need to grab for your power. We just want your presence. And so uh, around here, we, we have this prayer. We just say, come, Holy Spirit. Because that's not about me. It's not about you. But it's about the work of the Holy Spirit today. Fill this place. And so here at Rock Vineyard, we don't want to run from things we don't understand. You know, like one week, we got a couple of people laying down. The next week, it's just like, oh, wow, who, who died in this place? Like, <laughs> is the spirit here? I don't even know, you know. We don't want to run from that. We just want to embrace it. We just want to ask, what's God doing right here, right now? What's God doing in your life right now? What is the Holy Spirit teaching you right here, right now? No, we don't have to fully understand it, but we want to wrestle with that. And so we have a few different ways of doing that. And so really quick, just a couple of things. We have what we call the DNA of the vineyard. 
And the first one is the main and the plain, okay? And this is what it means. Our experience of the kingdom of God is rooted in the words and works of Jesus. And so we teach the Bible and the main and the plain of the kingdom. If anyone asks, so what's this Vineyard Church all about? It's about Jesus. <laughs> Promise, it's all about Jesus. Like we are literally uh, built and rooted on the words and works of Jesus. It's not just the words. And it's not just the works. Because to follow Jesus creates a lot of tension, right? Right? We can't just read the Bible as Christians. We can't just read the Bible and believe the Bible as Christians. Because that would be nice if I could just stop right there. Oh, okay, praise God. But it's the third one that gives me issues, right? Applying the Bible, applying that love, applying the expectations of encountering God today. We just want to be all about the main and the plain. And then like we talked about the now and the not yet, that God's kingdom is here. It's already here. It is also not fully here. And that means we have a theology for both suffering and for signs and wonders. And simply that means that, listen, I'm not going to excuse what happened to you or, or your trauma or that terrible thing that happened to you. I'm not just going to say, oh, hey, it's part of God's perfect plan and he loves you and all these things. It's just that we live in a fallen, broken world and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. I know God can redeem a lot of things, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, God purposed that thing to happen to you because we simply live in a fallen world. And you know what? We're full of people and people are imperfect and we sin against one another a lot. So it's not about saying, hey, God caused that or God did that. It's simply, simply a reality of living in this world. And sometimes your three-year-old daughter is getting ready for bed and she falls and slices her head open, you know? Am I going to say, that's the devil or God did it? You know? No, it's just we live in this world, right? Where suffering occurs. It's about what are we going to do when we encounter it? Uh, the third thing, uh, again, is our prayer. We say, come Holy Spirit. We need a constant filling of the Holy Spirit. Because listen, and I believe this is true, I think I need to be reminded of the Holy Spirit. I need a constant filling of the Holy Spirit. Nothing absorbs the Holy Spirit out of me like Bardstown Road. I could kill someone. I really could. I mean, and, and listen, I ride my bike on it most of the time, you know? And so you know I'm, at I'm in danger a lot, and I gotta yell at people and shake my fist at them. Uh, let them know. But when we say, come Holy Spirit, we're just simply acknowledging, Holy Spirit, I need you. Fill me right now. Fill me. Uh, because this ancient prayer is an invitation for the Spirit to simply be with us again. Uh, something else in our DNA is that uh, we say everyone gets to play. We believe that anyone can do the work of the kingdom. We don't have an elite superstar lineup. We're not the Golden State Warriors. We're not the Los Angeles Rams. Sorry. We... <laughs> are simply the church, and we are all commissioned to go do the work. Everyone gets to play, and so maybe for you, you feel like you've been riding the bench for some time, watching everyone else in it. Church, this is a call for us to get involved. Whatever it looks like for you, everyone gets to play. Something else we say a lot of, I only got a couple more for you. Come as you are. Don't stay as you are. Because notice, anytime someone encountered Jesus, he welcomed everyone, right? 
He wasn't afraid to touch a leper. He wasn't afraid to be in, in the company of people with bad reputations. He wasn't afraid of those things. But here's the thing Jesus wasn't. He wasn't so high and mighty and judgmental against the sinners, but it was an invitation to raise them up. He saved that judgment for the super religious people, right? The people who were doing all the judging, Jesus reserved judgment often for them. But notice, when we say come as you are, but don't stay as you are, is that, again, it's not this judgmental, when you hit you over the head with the Bible, so you live right. It is simply an empowering and encouraging and a freedom to live above your sin, to, to grow with God. Uh, we also say uh, we just want to be naturally supernatural. And this rubs a lot of people the wrong way. <laughs> and, you know, myself a little bit. But we do. We want to be naturally supernatural. We want to avoid all the hype and emotional manipulation that comes into all of that, which literally happens. Had a friend at a, at a bigger church uh, just a couple of years ago, and she went and she had this like moment, and she cried, and she left angry. And I was very confused. I was like, what, was that not a spiritual moment for you? And she says, no, I was emotionally manipulated. They, they crescendoed the band. They had this like moving story. They, did, they wanted me to cry, and I felt emotionally manipulated. I'll never go back. I was like, oh gosh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's very good to know. I would never want to do that, right? But, for, but, but that's what we mean. We, we don't want to get into all of that. We just, we just simply want to go about our natural lives and pray and expect God's voice in all circumstances. I'm stuck in traffic on Bardstown Road. I'm in line at Walmart. I'm picking my kids up from Rock Kids. They're telling me he was a terrible kid today, you know, <laughs> like whatever it is. It's just we just want to be naturally supernatural. I love how uh, Michael Grinholm put it this way. Uh, he's not a vineyard person, but he put it this way. Uh, Michael said, rather than being too emotional, perhaps we're just as emotional as one ought to be when the spirit of the creator of the universe moves inside of you. And then, of course, there's the vineyard, which in the tradition of John Wimber is super casual and non-hype, Delivering people from demons with one hand and drinking coffee with the other. Naturally supernatural. Just listen for the voice of God. I'm just getting coffee from Starbucks. Is God wanting to move in this super normal, super monotonous moment? It's like I heard a sermon about that recently. Yes. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? Naturally supernatural. Uh, and then the last little bit here right here the DNA of the vineyard, is that we remember the poor. Because when we lean toward the lost, the poor, the outcast, and the outsider, we embrace the compassion of Jesus. Because we're all in need in some way. We're all in need. And so for us, we sum all that up this way. At Rock Vineyard, this is how we sum it up. We simply want to practice the way of Jesus together in Louisville. That's what we want to do. That's it. We don't want to perfect the way of Jesus. We want to practice it. Because we're going to mess this up plenty, right? We, do, we want to practice the way of Jesus. And how do we, we want to do it? We want, we want to do it together. Yeah, us and our sin, us and our dysfunction, us and our disparity. Could we do it together? And could we do it right here in our city? Because church, this is us. We just want to be like Jesus. We want to give Jesus away to other people, to people that, that we don't want to give him away to. We want 
to give him away to others. This is who we're about. I want to invite our worship team back up as, as we kind of just let this kind of sit with us for a minute. Um, I know that was a lot, but, but so much of who we are and, and what we're about has just been laid out. Hey, this is us, okay? This is who we are. We're not perfect. We are completely imperfect. But we just want to tell you about someone who is. We won't get it right every time. But we will commit to being merciful. We will commit to being gracious with one another. We will commit to being loving with one another. We just want to do this together. 